Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today is Tori Hart, Swim Swam writer. And joining us today, uh, we have three representatives from the Dartmouth swim team. Maggie, Connor, and Priscilla, I'm going to let each of them introduce themselves to you. Uh, Maggie, can we hear from you first? Uh, sure. Um, I'm Maggie. I am an incoming senior at Dartmouth and one of the women's team captains. I'm from Fairfax, Virginia, and I swim breaststroke, and I am. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Connor Bishop. I'm an upcoming sophomore uh, on the team. I swim butterfly and freestyle. I'm from Toledo, Ohio. Hey, swimmer. Hey, swimmers. Priscilla Z. I go by PZ, affectionately um, called that by my Dartmouth swim teammates, and it's stuck. And I was a 04 captain of the Dartmouth swim team way back in 2004, so many years ago. Um, but super excited to be part of this podcast as well. I was a backstroker and I am her. Perfect. Uh, so, so we're obviously talking to Dartmouth today. The news came, uh, I think, just over a week ago that the Dartmouth swim team was being cut, um, and we obviously that comes as one of many teams um, during this quarantine period and where athletics are trying to get on top of their financials. And uh, unfortunately, I think swimming is going to see the brunt of that. Um, Connor and Maggie, as as uh, current members of the Dartmouth swim team, um, can you guys talk about kind of how your season was affected by when first when quarantine started, and then how your experience has been since then, kind of up to uh, hearing about the team getting cut? Maggie, maybe we can start with you. Um, sure. So during quarantine. Um, we were kind of just planning for the upcoming season as though we were going to have it, um, just putting things in place to hopefully like be able to practice in the fall, um, be connected with all of the team members through different smaller groups. Um, and we kind of kept each other accountable with those groups before quarantine. Yeah, our season itself wasn't, um, affected too much. Uh, we had an end-of-the-season meet uh, that wasn't uh, an Ivy League meet um, that got canceled. So, I mean, that was towards the back end of our season. But after that point, it was just regular um, – well, not regular because most of us were, you know, home. But uh, uh, training, coaches were communicating with us, keeping us accountable. So – uh, so, so the day the day you did find out that the team was getting cut, can you can you guys walk us through that? And um, I mean, did you see this coming? Was this expected? Had had there been writing on the wall at all, or was it a pretty big shock for you guys? Um, big shock to all of us. Yeah, big shock to our coaches. Big shock to our alumni. Big shock to the athletes. You know, across the board, athletes. Um, Forty-five minutes notice for a five-minute Zoom call where five varsity athletic teams were told that 
they were cut from the school. So, you know, that, that's how we heard the news. Um, and that's why so many of us are shocked and pretty hurt by not only the, the news and the um, events that led up to the, to the decision, but the delivery itself and the communication or lack thereof that's been going on from that point forward. I don't know if anyone else wants to comment. Yeah, just to add on to that, um, even before, like the day before we found out that our program was getting cut, um, they had a Zoom webinar with all of the student athletes at Dartmouth saying that they were hopeful for winter sports to be able to compete um, in the winter and practice in the fall. Yeah, so. So that's, that. I mean, that's a big hit uh, yeah. for, for, for five athletic teams, certainly for, for swimming. Um, Priscilla, we, we, you have a unique perspective. Um, as we've reported the dart, this is not the first team, the Dartmouth, uh, sorry, it's not the first time the Dartmouth team has been cut. Um, it was cut a number of years ago and it was actually got the funding to ha- to be reinstated. Um, Priscilla, could you give us your perspective on that experience and kind of how it affected you as an athlete? Yeah, I mean, I just want to build on something that Connor had said. It it was when we heard the news as alums, it it took us back and transported us to that 0203 timeframe. And we had such a similar experience where we were told it felt very rushed. We got an email um, communication really early morning to be in Collis, which is like a food hall for us at a certain time. And like half the swimmers were able to make it because they didn't even get the communication in time. So it was, it was really rushed. We were told right before Thanksgiving. And I remember feeling exactly what Connor and Maggie just described. It just, wow. I went, I came to this school in order to swim and really represent um, my school and get a chance to participate in my sport. And, and this is, this experience is kind of being ripped away from me. And I think what's hardest for me when I heard the news again for a second time in 18 years is we fought so hard in order to come together with a creative solution with the Dartmouth administration to get the Dartmouth program reinstated in that 0203 time period. And we believed there was a commitment that the program would be reinstated for good and we wouldn't be in this position again. So you can imagine, you know, us as alumni uh, to hear this news was literally just heart wrenching. I mean, our heart went out, went out to the current students, but then we felt really in a really tough position. Like we had been um, a contract that we had established 18 years ago had been broken again. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've got one more question. I'm going to turn it over to Tori after that. So, so Connor and Maggie, you know, after hearing Priscilla's take on that, you know, have, I can't imagine being on a team that gets cut and I can't imagine even more not being able to lament that, to process that, to, you know, to try to write that, uh, without being able to see my team face to face, um, what what kind of interaction have you guys been able to have with your teammates, with your alumni, um, and and how has that you know been positive, and how has that been hard? 
Um, yeah, well, it's, it's painful, but inspiring to watch all the alumni come together and help us out, uh, especially the ones who went through this around 2002. Um, Zoom calls have been extremely important, especially with the alumni. Um, we have, what, over 200-plus alumni who meet weekly and, and uh, you know, brief us on what they're doing um, in their subcommittees of action. It's how we're moving forward. Um, but, yeah, team-wise, you know, um, everyone's kind of banded together um, around this common effort of advocating for our team. I guess something positive that has come of our interactions during this time is through like social media. Um, mm -hmm. It really enables us to constantly check it and seeing all of the high profile supporters such as other teams, Olympians, um, supporting us on their social media such as like Instagram has been um, really encouraging for us. Totally agree with what Maggie just said too. I mean, we just had Nathan Adrian reach out um, and direct message us and ask how he could help, which is just amazing. And we've had other Olympians like that come forward and it means so much to us, it, like a program at Dartmouth. Yeah, swimming's extremely interconnected, um, institution-wide, no matter the division, no matter the, you know, college. So it's been nice to see other programs reach out to us as well as Olympians. Great. Well, we wanted to transition the conversation from this point into what's being done now and what the game plan is um, for the future. So I'm wondering, you know, first of all, if Priscilla, you can break down how this process went to bring back the team um, in 0203, specifically in light of the fact that uh, you told me earlier this week that, you know, just as is happening right now, the athletic director said, there's nothing that can be done to save the program, nothing you can do can bring it back, yet you were still able to do so. So can you kind of tell me how that went and why in light of that, there's still hope now. Yeah, I think we're just taking a lot of the lessons that we learned in 02 and 03, recognizing that it's a different world today than it was back then, but trying to apply what we can. And the biggest thing that we learned is the value of team. And that's what we know all from swimming and to like never give up. You know, swimming is a sport, right? Where we're in the pool so early in the morning, we're in the pool again in the afternoon. So many of us put so many hours into our sport. But that to me is a super important concept, like concept that we've learned that we are actually taking forward in this, in this mobilization. And I'll use that word mobilization because when we did this in 0203, so many different stakeholders were helpful in our effort. So getting the swimmers all together into Connor's point, the entire swimming community. So I had two, I have two brothers that swam at Princeton all the other Ivy League teams, our season was cut mid-season when we were doing this, so we still had the opportunity to finish out our season, but we were going to schools and still competing, and Columbia, for instance, I remember they had Dartmouth tattoos on their arms when we, when we swam against them, so getting the entire swimming community rallied and supported, um, you know, so that this doesn't continue to happen to our sport was really critical, getting the entire student body so we actually led, and I have pictures from this time, a 600-person sit-in um, in the office where our president was in order to really have a conversation with him and, and, and discuss how we felt like as a student body, we wanted to be a more inclusive environment to kind of have these discussions. And as challenges like 
budgetary admissions challenges come up that we have a more collective collaborative conversations and that the students are an integral part of that. And so really making sure we got the student body involved and then of course the alumni network. And that's one thing that I'm really proud of our school of having just a really, really strong alumni network and making sure that we all kind of get together in order to collaborate on what could be really good steps moving forward. So all of those parties were really critical in order to help make the conversation and progress it forward to find a different solution than what the college had initially put out. Right, right. So I'm wondering, Connor and Maggie, can you shed some light on, on what the efforts are now? Obviously the timing, the current situation with the pandemic, um, just a number of factors play into how you can spread the word about this as opposed to the in-person you know, um, shows of solidarity you were having you know, 18 years ago. What are the conversations like with admin? What's happening behind the scenes to push this, this forward right now? Yeah, well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is um, the media outreach that we've all been you know, trying to do. That's why things like this podcast have been amazing and uh, articles in our you know, school paper and stuff like that. Um, just to highlight our contributions of the team outside of the pool, um, because then uh, one of the reasons for the 10% athletic cut was to admit more students with more variety in, of interests. So, you know, highlighting our community uh, projects such as swim lessons or our efforts, you know, helping our fellow students try and pass the swim requirement before they graduate. Um, and just coming up with creative solutions to combat the statement of, you know, very varied interests that try and put us as athletes into that box of only being uh, contributors to the academic environment of the school if we're um, high, top-level uh, athletic achievers. Right. We've heard from a couple people, actually, that uh, this week at some point there was a Zoom call with the president of the school, I believe, or the AD. Um, can either of you, you know, discuss how that went or, or those talks with admin um, kind of more, more directly what those conversations are and if they're being, you know, receptive to, you know, to talking? Um, sure. So a few of us had a Zoom meeting with both President Hanlon and the athletic director, Harry Sheehy. Um, it went okay, I would say. Um, we more wanted to go into the call to get data, metrics, and some more information on specifically why our program was cut. Um, they seemed receptive. They were definitely, they expressed um, sorrow and that it was definitely a hard decision, but um, they did not directly provide us with the information we asked for. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. And, and maybe there was even like an encouraging or I believe there was a statement of if I were in your shoes, is that right? Yeah, the statement in the Q&A was if I were in your shoes, you know, I would search for opportunities elsewhere. So I know our teammates took that as if I was as the AD, if I was a student and faced with this opportunity, I would simply leave the school for another, you know, athletic opportunity. And that's hurtful to all of us. But I also want to reiterate that the conversation was closed from the beginning. I believe the quote was, um, petitions will not change the reality of the current circumstances, nor will they reveal anything that we don't already know. So saying that 
you know, we know everything already. You couldn't provide us with anything that we don't already know is, you know, trying to shut us down from the beginning. So that's why we started the petition and our efforts in the first place. I'm curious in your in your petition and your social media posts, I'm seeing the word unjust come up a lot in terms of uh, your feelings about the program being cut versus, you know, unfair or something like that. Can any of you speak to why unjust is the word that you feel and if that, you know, has like a moral um, implication in terms of cutting this and if that's a word you're using in these conversations and if that's being, um, you know, reflected in the answers you're getting from, from admin. Yeah, well, the first thing that comes up to me personally is just the, you know, the, the insinuation that we are only contributors athletically on campus. Um, I myself was a walk-on. So, you know, my first call after realizing that I got into the school was to the swim coach and it's a, a huge part in my decision to come here. Um, so it's just back to that. It, it hurts hearing that um, from our athletic department. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, it's definitely extremely hurtful and I think to speak for all of us, we're very disappointed in our administration um, for cutting us. I think that we all, by coming to this school, of course we were recruited by other programs. Um, we made a commitment to this school um, and they didn't uphold that same commitment to us. I also believe the word unjust kind of implies like did our athletic director, Mr. Sheehy, advocate on behalf of all of his athletes when he was faced with this decision? Or did he simply, you know, have this in the back of his mind already? Um, like, was he able to compile the information that we compiled in the last week, you know, summarizing our diversity and our contributions on campus? Um, we believe it's unjust because I, I don't think that was, that was uh, the way it happened. Mm -hmm. To speak to that, um, when we asked him for the metrics on the criteria he evaluated all the teams upon, um, he refused to give us that information. And when we pushed and said, if it really were a fair process, then we think you should be able to give us information. He still said he wouldn't give it to us. Yeah, the, the wordage used in the Q&A with our school newspaper was describing coronavirus or this current pandemic as a perfect storm, which was used to enact this plan that he had in his mind uh, about a year ago before this all happened. I see. So there's a sense that part of it was premeditated and that swimming was going to be on the chopping block and that this was just an opportune time to, to carry that plan out. Yeah. Yeah. We also feel like we weren't ever really set up for success. We're, you know, the lack of investment in our facilities, recruiting and other crucial factors that we had to fight through, you know, from the and, beginning. And I think program. regardless of that, the swimming program for all of us um, is just, it, it's so important to have at our school. And again, we want to think through if there are opportunities for creative solutions to still maintain the program but also um, understand the vision and the intent that the college wants to take the school to progress diversity is something we totally support. But I think Connor's point is we believe that swimming does add to that and having that sport, having our sport continue to exist 
adds to that. And so is there a way that we can find a solution that maybe the administration hasn't come up with yet that solves both of them? Because we're so intimately familiar with both the sport and, um, and the community that we make up. So what's the game plan from here? You know, what are you, what are your plans for Monday morning? Let's say, you know, are you making more calls to administration, to alums, more social media posts? Like what's the next tangible step in the process? I mean, I think that's a great question, Tori. So Connor kind of described this, but we are doing weekly Zoom calls where we're inviting people from anyone from the swimming world that wants to join, any friends and supporters, our alumni, our students, our students' parents who have been an awesome source of support as well. So the um, entire community is welcome to join us. We're also doing daily calls. So we have daily calls, and Connor was mentioning this, but we actually have different sub-working teams whether it's internal communications working on something to make sure that we're reaching out to all the different stakeholders that we can, or if it's our data and analytics team collecting information about the contributions that Dartmouth swimmers have made either on campus currently or in the future in order, again, to just collect data and information to be able to share that back with administration. So we've got sub-working teams. We have captains for each of those teams and swimmer leads. So it's an alumni and swimmer-led effort, which is really cool and a little bit different than 0203. Um, It's even more collaborative, and maybe that's a benefit of being in a virtual world. And so we actually have these calls daily uh, to just kind of talk through progress. And I think one of the things that I'm most excited for is in less than, you know, a little over than, you know, 72 hours, we're actually getting a website up and running which is gonna be awesome. So it'll be a centralized resource that people can go to either submit you know, their, their information in terms of being able to help with the effort and or a pledge, because we do want to make a financial commitment again, like we did in 0203 as a show of support as well. Great. Is there any communication with any of the other teams that have you know, also been cut in the past couple of weeks or is it mostly just among like the IIV community? Yeah, um, I know us as athletes are talking to each other, communicating with within all the teams that got cut because, you know, we all feel the same way, even though we're in, in a little different boats. But um, definitely coordinating. And we, we, we want the way to approach this as being unite everyone as, you know, Dartmouth athletes instead of, you know, take this on from a team-by-team basis. Yeah, and even broader than that, I think, Tori, to your question, EC Swimming just reached out to us, and we're going to actually have a conversation with them. And again, that was so critical in 0203 was to have the support of the swimming world. Again, I think our, our sport is so unique in that it is a life skill. I am a first-generation immigrant who was born in Brazil, 100% Chinese, And the reason why I am a swimmer is because both my parents had experiences um, where they had childhood friends that drowned. And so it is a life skill in order to know how to swim. And we as like a Dartmouth swimming community really believe in helping progress our sport and that life skill. And I would say that the entire swimming world sort of rallies around that concept too. And we don't want to see our sport kind of dissipate and, um, and be eliminated by team by team by team. So I do think that this important 
this effort is greater than what we just think of at, at Dartmouth, and it has to be a more broader swimming issue moving forward. Um, I mean, one of the Princeton alums even said, wow, it's going to be really sad to have uh, one of the lanes at Ivy's. We typically have eight teams. One of the lanes will be empty. And, you know, will there be other teams that are next? And I think about that ripple effect across the entire um, NCAA. And I think about that ripple effect about just Olympic sports in general. So I think it's an important topic that we are tackling. Mm-hmm. Last question I, you know, have on kind of next couple of months is, um, are swimmers looking to transfer? Like, I'm not asking you to name names, but is there a sentiment that, um, you know, if efforts are unsuccessful in the next, I don't know how many weeks, considering the timing of this, but are, are swimmers on the team kind of starting to mumble or any rumblings about that? Kind of as an upperclassman, as seniors and even some juniors, um, we feel as though the transfer option has kind of closed off to us because we've just created a bond with the community and we've created a life at this school. Um, Connor, if you want to speak to the younger team. Yeah, for the younger population on the team, um, one of the biggest things that's keeping everyone at the school now is the community we've created on the team and just in the school in general. Um, It's hard to leave because, you know, that community is so ingrained, but you know, it's hard to not take this sentiment as we, we don't want you here, you know. Yeah, and that's just like gut-wrenching for me to hear as an alum, because I would say like the alumni community, that's the last message we want our, our current student athletes and our current swimmers and divers on campus to feel. So we want them to know we, we are in direct opposition of this idea of like, you should transfer. And we want to work to keep them within the Dartmouth family as much as possible, because we believe in them and we believe in the value that they bring. And we've seen how much Dartmouth swimming and diving has meant to us that we want to help try to work to pay that forward for sure. Absolutely. Uh, as, as, as a parting thought, um, you know, you guys have all now been, been a part of, of being on a team that is cut. Hopefully we can have that reversed again, uh, as, as you all did in Oh two and Oh three, but I, I don't see this trend ending in swimming, unfortunately, because of this pandemic we're in. Um, so if, for, for future teams that may end up getting cut, do you have any advice for, you know, athletes who end up going through this experience as you guys have of, of what, what got you through it? Um, how, how you've been able to stay positive and, you know, you, you guys are trying to revive the team as we speak. Uh, what would you tell other teams who, who, who want to revive theirs? I guess I would say um, to stay hopeful, obviously easier said than done. Um, but yeah, just stay positive, keep in contact with your team members, um, family members, friends, anyone that is willing to support you. Um, and I would also say to try and stay organized with your efforts. Yeah. Swimming globally is a community. We wouldn't be able to make the strides as Dartmouth without the greater swimming community that we have. I think that's our greatest asset going forward. So 
um, message to future teams. Maybe we've got your back too. I love that. I mean, what ditto to what Connor and Maggie said, and just, I think it's, um, let's take action now. I mean, there's so much in the world that is so important in a post-George Floyd world, Black Lives Matters. I mean, pandemic world, there are budgetary considerations when thinking about swimming. But again, swimming is a life skill and is a really, really important sport to continue and globally. And I think the thing that I would give people advice is same what Maggie said is like, keep hope, like take those skills that we've learned as swimmers of like never giving up and really like utilizing the value of team and bringing forward everyone's talents and ideas to come up with creative solutions um, to keep our sport and to keep this, the spirit of our sport alive. Well, Connor, Maggie, Priscilla, thank you so much for, for taking the time for coming on. I'm certainly pulling for, for Dartmouth to, to make a second comeback. Um, hopefully, hopefully we get some good news within the next few days or few weeks. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. We super appreciate you guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.